Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. If you like this show, please share it with your friends. You can also support us via Patreon. Every like, every retweet and every dollar helps. Thanks. Today I'm joined by Aaron Cruz, a Seattle chef turned Vienna developer. He loves learning programming languages and then organizing meetups around them. He started so many that even he has a problem remembering them all. I enjoyed talking to him very much and I hope you will too. Now let's get to it. Hi Aaron, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hello. <laughs> I'm Aaron. <laughs> yeah, what's 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 going on? Mia, how are you how are you doing? Uh, I'm 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 doing great. I'm doing great and uh, I I'm guessing so are you. You're always in a good mood. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I actually, I, I gave your, your name, I gave you a really soft H. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, more of a Mia. Yeah. Kind of a, I'm, I'm used to soften it. it up for I'm you. I'm used to it. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> how do you, like, how do you actually pronounce it if, if someone, another Slovenian person were to say. It's, uh, it's Micha. What? What a, Micha. Yeah. Okay. Not, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of heard a little bit of a ha there. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on your show. You're coming off this, or you just came off. Uh, organizing or co-organizing a RUCO. I didn't, I didn't co-organize it. So what I did was um, I, I've wanted, my plan last year was to go to Budapest and to pitch Vienna as, as the Euroco city for this year. But I was organizing a hackathon at the same time, actually in Eastern Hungary. So I wasn't able to go to Budapest to, to attend, but um, the co-organizer of Vienna RB, Ramon, and his and his sister, um, they they pitched it and they won. So it's perfect for me because organizing a, a conference is very very stressful. And I just got to like in the last week say, "Hey, I'd love to volunteer," and they were like, "We'd love volunteers." And I was like, "Thank you very much." So I got to do the stuff I wanted to do without having to do the the horrible stuff <laughs> and. Yeah, but no, not a co-organizer. I just, I seriously was just a volunteer and the the um, the tour the tour guide. Well, I, I think you're downplaying it because like even volunteers are like very handy to have when you're organizing events. No, it was like, I mean definitely like the other volunteers did a great. It was really it was a good time. Like it was it was fun, and it was it was stressful at times, but it was like it was great. Like I love that conference just wherever it is. It's always it's super laid back and. Um, like Matt's is always there and he's just hanging out. Like, I think what I've heard before, I'm not going to speak for him, but it's his favorite conference to go. He like has to go to, there's three conferences every year, I think, or maybe two that he has to go to every year. And Kaiji is one of them. And then Yuruko is the other one. And maybe there's like another one I don't know about, but yeah, probably Ru- RubyConf, like the big one. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he, I don't know if he goes to that one. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's always nice to see him, and yeah, it's it's just it's a fun conference. The tickets are like sixty sixty dollars, so it's it's very accessible. Also, you just have to find your way to whatever city it's in, and um, and I, I really like that about it. I actually, I'm just gonna keep talking. The um, I won the first Iruko I ever went to. I won the ticket, and I, it was some Twitter thing where you responded with something, and then they're like, "Oh, you won the ticket! Yay!" And I was like, "Awesome! I won a ticket." And um, so I bought a flight. It was in Athens. I bought a flight to Athens mm-hmm. and got my hotel. And it was like 500 euros or something that I paid for all that stuff. And then I went to look at how much the ticket actually costs. And it was like 40 or 60 <laughs> euros or something like that. And I, was, I totally would, I would never have gone. Like it just like it was all the other stuff was so expensive, but I had already purchased the stuff. But then I met like really amazing people and it encouraged me to go to 
other Yurukos mm. and it was it was it was totally worth it in the end. But it was just like, wow, thanks. Thanks for the free ticket. Yeah, it sounds very much like my Railscom story where I I got the scholarship mm-hmm. and it was in Portland and I was like, Oh yeah, sure, I'm gonna go to Portland. It's not gonna <laughs> completely bankrupt me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. But at least I couch surfed, so there there's that. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm from the Seattle area. I'm from north of Seattle and I have I have two kids and they cost normal human size prices. So anytime I want to go home to to visit friends, it if I bring the whole family, it costs like I'm really bad at getting good deals on tickets too. So I pay like four thousand euros oh, wow. or like four thousand five hundred euros just for the flights. Yeah, that's bad. So I don't get home very often. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. It's it's ridiculous. So as as a, a Seattle person, do you hate Portland then, or is it- no? I actually lived. I lived, I, I love Portland and I lived in Portland for a couple of months with my, with my Austrian wife. Actually, we, we live with some friends in a house and like, I really like Portland. It was, it was, it kind of sucked because we knew that we were only going to be there for two months. So the whole like meeting people and, and having like finding friends is a really, yeah not a very nice situation with that. It's like, Hey, I cool. We'll be friends for six weeks. Mm. Like it's, um, but but the city is great. Like with a bicycle, you can get anywhere. It's like an American Amsterdam. Um, how so? <laughs> like with with the bicycles and and the uh, drugs and everyone <laughs> being it. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a lot. It, it actually like what was what was strange. We were um we were by we were up the street from Alberta Market. Okay. And um, which is on Alberta, and they have really great chicken wings. If you're into chicken wings, I found a sauce actually in Austria that is, the, I think, the same sauce that they use for the chicken wings at Alberta Market. But in that neighborhood, like one night, I woke up at one in the morning, or maybe it was like no, it was like four or five in the morning to like gunshots, and there were cops the next day around the neighborhood. And I went to the Alberta Market, um, and was like, hey. Hey dude, um, I think that I heard like gunshots and stuff last night. And he's like, "So what?" <laughs> <laughs> he was he's a super tough guy at Alberta Market. He was great. Though. I love that guy. But he was just he was he, he didn't phase him that there's so there's I guess there's a little bit of that going on. But um, yeah, but it has that feeling like the it's it's annoying on a bicycle there because the drivers are very bicycle aware. So you get to like a four-way stop, which we have a lot of in the States. Yeah, which are and, so confusing um, to me as an European. Yeah. Like it makes get, no sense. You get used to them, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they are really strange. But you, it kind of, you get this like, this this kind of dance that you do at the four-way stop where you'll stop and then someone else will stop and you can like kind of go at the same time. But like, it's it feels good at like the really wide, strange ones. But um, but at four way stops in in Portland, it's really obnoxious because the the drivers are so friendly that you'll like be okay, it's your turn to go, and they'll be like, no, go, go, and you're like, come on, come on, go, and they're like, no, go, 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 and then you're like, you're both waving each other for like I don't know, fifteen seconds, and finally you're like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go, see, and you that, go, that, and then the next. That's why it's stop. stupid. Like you should just have roundabouts, like we have here. <laughs> roundabouts, yeah, the in uh. In Granada, Spain, I was living there for a little bit, and they had um, roundabouts as you exit the freeway, mm-hmm. and it was it wasn't working. Like Spanish people really hate to turn left. It's like a, <laughs> it's really like there's you, it's it's really hard to find a place to turn left, and in, in, at least in where I was in Spain, like they really really hate it. Yeah, I, I've I've never heard that stereotype before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm here to throw some some new stereotypes your way. I don't think I have any for for Slovenians, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, well, 
we're, we're, there's not enough of us to have stereotypes. Well, you, you mentioned briefly that your wife is Austrian, so obviously uh, that was the reason you, you came over. But um, as far as I know, you used to be a chef. So when you came over, you, you were a chef. You weren't a software developer, right? Correct. Yeah, I was uh, in Seattle. I worked, um, I, I started in a hotel kitchen. Um, and then I kept moving around. Like I, I decided I might, my, I wanted to go to culinary school and the way that it works in Seattle is if you, um, there's kind of two culinary schools in Seattle, there's the art Institute of Seattle. And then there is the, um, the Seattle central community college and the art Institute. I think it's like $30,000 or something for your two years or whatever you do, or maybe it's 30,000 a year or something. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Seattle central community college was, I think, Three thousand a year, so it's it's a slight difference in, in price. And the other thing is that any chef that I talked to anywhere was like, I would hire someone from Seattle Central. Like, I would like ten times more likely to hire someone from Seattle Central than from the Art Institute. So it was like, uh, I think that I know where to uh, to put my money in this in this situation. <laughs> so I put myself on the waiting list, and then went on a bike tour of Europe. And I was like, if when I get back. If I'm off of the waiting list, I will go to um, culinary school. If I'm not, then I will try and find a job at a hotel kitchen. And I was still on the waiting list, so I decided to get a job at a hotel kitchen. And I worked there for a bit. Then I moved to like a kind of a, a fancy diner. And then from there to kind of like French and Italian bistros and worked up my worked my way up to be a sous chef. And, and all that without any schooling, right? Yeah, without any schooling. No, it was it was like the hotel was kind of my schooling. I kind of lied my way into the job, unfortunately, for me <laughs> um, and them, I guess, unfortunately for them. And it was one of those situations where if if people expect that you know certain things and you don't, then when you don't know them, like they treat you like you're really stupid, even though you might not necessarily be as stupid as you seem. Right. And so it was like quite a while of just people... Th- treating me like and thinking that I was very, very stupid every day. And it was, uh, it was kind of, it was, it was pretty hard. And then like from there, it just, that place was, it was, it was either we would do 150 covers, like 150 people would come in in an hour and a half, or we wouldn't have, we would have like eight covers for the whole night. So, <laughs> um, which is like not a great place to learn. Yeah. So I went from there to like, I kind of downgraded in fanciness, but um, it was a busier place that I moved to. And then just, moved to places where we like knew the farmers and we, we like, we bought a whole cow at one of the restaurants and would like, it'd be like, ask us about what piece of the cow we have tonight on the menu. And then we would serve them whatever piece of the cow we decided that was time to, to cook at that time. And, um, how does one make a jump from, um, working in the kitchen to software development? (laughs) Like, so what was the deal I had, I had done, I like built websites. I built like a flash website for, so I, I tried to work at restaurants in Italy, but they, they kind of flaked on me. Um, one was through like my connection. The, the communication was bad. The other one was through my visa being, they got afraid. Like I think someone got busted for, for having a, someone working there without a proper visa. Mm-hmm. So they got fined a bunch and they're like, we're afraid of this. So you can't work here. So I ended up volunteering on farms instead. One of the farms I was working on, I built them like a flash website. <laughs> and how long ago was that? Oh, when was that? Um, where was I living? I was living in Spain the first time. Um, it was at least, I think it was probably like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So like I had picked up a little bit of, I had worked on their previous site and it was like PHP, 
the kind of PHP that like it's each page is a .php file and the whole like all of the the database connections and everything are actually in the the template file as well. <laughs> Like it was, it was nuts, and that was a, my, that was my first like introduction to programming. Oh, the good old days. Like I'd done HTML random stuff before, but this is my first like using a database and having a, a programming language was that kind of site, and it was it took me a while. I didn't even know what a database was at first. I'm like, where are the pictures coming from? Like, <laughs> and had to like, so it was going through that process, like, and then later, like, I built them a Flash site, and then um, so I had like a little bit of experience doing it. And so I left Italy. I moved to Austria. I like my German was crap. Like I just actually was learning it from the beginning. And um, I had no network of people, especially cooks. So the only kind of jobs I could find was like working in an Irish pub um, with burgers and fried stuff or doing catering, which just like the hours and like it was really, really garbage food for people that just like are consuming. Like they don't care what they're eating. So it just it was it wasn't very nice. And I was like, I don't want to cook anymore. Like I hate this. Yeah. So I, I just was like, what other skills do I have? And I'm like, I've built a weird flash website before. So (laughs) I, um, I just looked for ads in the, for the unemployment service and found like a bunch of companies and sent them an email out that was like, Hey, this is samples of things that I've done before. Look, look here, look at this thing. Look at this, like a weird with like, it was like an HTML email when HTML emails were kind of new and maybe they weren't new. Um, (laughs) They were new to you. I thought they were, I thought that they were new. And I, um, so I sent them out and I, and I was like, you can pay me nothing or very little money. (laughs) That's a, that's a good negotiation tactic. Yes. Yeah, really. Like it was, it was kind of like, I'm willing, like I'd never worked with other people before and I'm like, I need a job. And I ended up getting a job that didn't pay great, but paid way more than I thought that it would. It was way more than free. And I worked there um, for like a year doing uh, flash banner ads mostly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember those times. <laughs> that was the times when I started working in, in the agency, but I was working in like those uh, shitty PHP pages. But uh, like half of the company was working on those banner ads and they were making the yeah. most profit. That's the that's the worst yeah. part. Like yeah. they were really bad. No one wanted to make them, but they were very profitable. I was very proud of my my flash banner ads. I like the we had uh, LG was our customer and I would have like the phone the 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 way that the the phone would come out would be timed perfectly and it would like I would use I researched a bunch of tweens to like get the get the animations right and make mm. it look more realistic I was like and I think that I took way too I was I was probably like a horrible employee <laughs> because I just was like it was these commodity things that I was supposed to be popping out but I was like I just need to like the text doesn't look right when it when it shrinks I need to get the like it was. I wouldn't use the timeline. I would just like only, and that was probably like where I started getting more into programming. Yeah, because banner is more like design work, especially since if you're fiddling around with animations, this is like really um, more design than than programming, I guess. Yeah, it's like I mean, they would have the 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 designers would set up like just still frames of different scenes, and then like creating the animation was was like my my art that I would do with it. It was it was fun, but there was this. Um, there was a huge app, like a, a LG commercial for some kind of like a flat screen TV they had mm-hmm. that um, this one guy from somewhere else from England or something, he he had done it. And I was doing things as I was translating it maybe to German. And I looked at his code base and I was like, this is amazing. It was the first time <laughs> that I saw like, like object-oriented programming being used. I think maybe the first time I'd seen it used 
in a in a nice way. And I was like, oh, and I I found him like on some sort of thing. I found him and sent him emails. And I was like, I've looked I looked at your code and it's beautiful. Like <laughs> you're you're such an amazing programmer. And like we ended up like sharing a Dropbox um folder that like we were we were going to collaborate on stuff with but then nothing ever ended up happening and and then after afterwards you were like started to getting interested in in like programming in general yeah my my uh, boss came to me one day and was like hey how do you how do you feel about your job and i was like if he wouldn't have asked me that i probably would have worked there for like another year but i was like <laughs> I, i i hate this like i hate every minute of it um it's it's like it's terrible um i the flash banner ads like i'm building things that people hate um and i here's my i gave him like two months notice and i'm like here's my notice like, <laughs> you, you really shouldn't ask me that, that backfired so um yeah like it, he was being super sweet about it too and um yeah so then after that i was like i want i had been tooling around with ruby like in my free time And I, I was like, I want to do Ruby development. So, so where did you come across Ruby? Was it because you're from Seattle? Oh, or? I even, I, so there was, at some point, it had to do with the Vienna JS meetup. Um, so, it, so Thomas Fuchs, who was uh, like, he, he wrote Scriptaculous. He was pretty hardcore into the, the JavaScript community like i don't know if he is anymore pretty sure he's not he did a like a lot of when 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 libraries were splitting off into like micro libraries he had a lot to do with kind of promoting that and his wife amy hoy also lived in um in vienna and i had no idea she lived here yeah they both lived here like uh, how long ago like 10 years ago oh wow but they like thomas um was the organizer of the vienna js meetup And like something like maybe at some point I was like, there has to be something better than PHP because it's horrible. <laughs> like it's a, it's, it's like, is this what people seriously do every day is that they just go to work and then they're miserable. And then they, I don't know what happened, but I, at some point I was like, there has to be something better. So I was looking and I was like, Ruby looks cool. Like it looks interesting. Like, of course the five minute blog video years ago and like, but it still looked really strange and I didn't know if I wanted to 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 get close to it and then python looked really interesting and i saw that they both kind of solved the same problems as as php was solving and i i actually like the last person that i asked before i made the decision was amy hoy and it was just like completely off the cuff like hey what do you what what, what do you recommend what should i what should i do here and she was like um well, I'm kind of biased, but you should go with Ruby. And like, that was the last, I just, like, I feel like I just needed someone to say this. And then I was like, okay. And then I started dumping time into it with like beginning Ruby, Peter Cooper's book. Mm -hmm. I read that. It was fantastic. Like the way he, he writes, like it, it felt like more of a conversation. Like I kind of feel like this with, with English cookbooks as well. Like there's more of like a, they're kind of talking to you more. It's like a, they're, they're telling a story more than just like giving you recipes. And I kind of felt like that from Peter's um, book. It, it just felt, I, I really, and it, and it kind of like, I feel that now in the Ruby community too. It kind of has more of this like friendly, like. Yeah. I, I feel the same about Sandy Metz's books. Yeah. Um, like both Puder and the uh, 99. Bottles. Uh, yeah. Both her talks and Katrina's talks are in a similar vein. And um, I, I think, yeah, you, you're right there. There's like very conversational, very approachable even to like... Mm. They're, they're friendly. And it's like... But I feel like that about Ruby conferences also. I don't like other conferences. I, I Like, I don't enjoy going to other conferences. There's something like about 
just i don't i don't know what it is do you think that's still the case or because there's a lot of people saying that oh like ruby is that everyone moved to like hipsters moved to javascript now or whatever it is this week um do, do you feel the the like ruby community spirit is still there so where i've been speaking the most in the last years has been um asia asia mostly like i've been speaking in in india And I was in, I was in Indonesia and in the Philippines. And I feel like some of those communities, they, they, they feel a bit younger. Like they, they've more recently kind of began to grow. And so in my experience right now, no, like it's the same. It's, it's just like people really interested in learning and people really wanting to help beginners. And like, it's, it still has that feeling, but maybe like, I don't know what it's like in the States. I don't know what it's like so much in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or England, um, maybe, maybe it's more, it's moved that in, in that direction. But my experience with, with, um, JavaScript conferences, I made Haskell with JavaScript. Look at Haskell 2.0. Like it's just <laughs> a lot of, and like, this is how, if you go deep into how objects are created in the, in the JavaScript runtime. And it's just, maybe I'm not that interested in JavaScript. It's probably just that, but it's, it's not like, I like these more kind of, different kinds of talks that I guess maybe I just like like talks at my level. Uh, no, but it definitely is something. I mean, you, you're organizing or are co-organizing VNRB and Elixir uh, Vienna, right? Yeah. And um, Elixir, I guess, is very similar to a community, is very similar to Ruby community because at least uh, its popularity is mainly boosted by Jose Valim. And he is like uh, this famous Ruby guy who went there and created this thing on the Erlang thing. Um, so uh, is is the community similar or the same? Like you have first, first-hand experience there. My, my main, like the, I think a good entry point into the, the Elixir community is um, Elixir Forum. And it's, it's wonderful. Like it's, there's so many like interesting conversations going on in it. Like it's very, very focused on helping beginners. Like people ask questions and they're like, here is how you do this. And then you'll get like answers from people that created Erlang in, in like, I've it's like the first time, oh, what's his name? I should know. Um, but you'll like, there's, there's people that you're just like, oh, you, you're in my thread. Um, <laughs> And it's it's wonderful. Like and and Sasha is is always in there. Your guy. Um, it's my my Slovenian shout out. <laughs> um, it's focused on in on making it. It's another language that is developer focused. So it's like trying to make the developer happy, um, but it's also focused at like bringing in beginners and and yeah. Um, it, when I've been to, I've only been to one conference. And that was in in Warsaw at the Elixir Live conference, which like <laughs> the videos for that conference are are incredible. Like they, I don't know what they did, but the the team that did the videos for that, like they're they're beautiful. The for the speakers, like I even so on my website, I had like my talk at that conference, but I also had the the like promo for the whole conference i was like <laughs> and this was the conference just because like everything was done so beautifully okay i, I have to check it <laughs> like the community is, is really nice i've had a good time with them like they're great here like people are people are friendly and open and yeah i get that but i mean i get that also from from the closure community here mm. um a lot of these a lot of these languages that are kind of like not your first language 
I feel that. Oh, yeah. But that's probably because they attract a certain type of uh, person, right? Yeah. Y- you wouldn't go learning, um, I don't know, uh, elixir if you don't, if you're not interested in it as a language or because there's doubtfully someone, uh, so some company just randomly deciding, oh, we're going to do this in elixir. Um, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like Ruby was, I guess, 10, 15 years ago, yeah. where it attracts people like uh, DHH, where they make something and then it becomes popular. Yeah, but it's it's also like, I feel like Ruby is becoming more like, it's more likely that Ruby is your first language now than it was yeah, yeah, yeah. years ago too. And there's more, you can see more of that now. And it's, it's nice. There's a lot of the, like the boot camps and the kind of like, um, there we have a, we have something called Ruby Habits here that that Ramon, who um, was and Pilar, his sister, were the organizers of um, the Euroco this year. Mm-hmm. They um, they do Ruby Habits, which is a meetup where like you just go in there and you can know absolutely nothing, and then they will you'll hang out and you'll do some sort of a, like coding exercises or build something or work on some kind of open source thing together where you kind of sit around and like you have this kind of feedback and like that's something that I think exists a lot in the Ruby community like with Rails girls I think there's a lot of stuff like that yeah. there as well and it's kind of this like super beginner friendly like we want you to succeed sort of of thing I don't know how much of that is going on in Elixir but um I think it like it's very young as well mm. So what got you into organizing thing or co-organizing? Like how, how did you, well, did you start with VNRB? Was it something else? What did I start? So I fell into like years and years ago, um, I fell into organizing Vienna JS for a little bit with, um, with a guy named Marcus Vine. And it was like just trying to make it work like, we had on a busy day, we'd have like 14 people. This is like before this also before like meetup.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it just, it was a little more, there was a lot less going on, but like we would, we would, I was like, ah, oh, we need more people to come. What did like, should we do? And I copied Ruby quiz, um, which, but was is JavaScript quiz. And, um, would just keep trying to new things. And then it was just like, oh, this isn't working. And then I ended up moving to Spain. <laughs> and um, and I actually, I started, I forgot, this is, that reminds me, I started a, um, what was it called? I started a developer meetup in Granada in Spain um, that was, oh, what was it? It was like web. I made it as generic as possible because in like in Vienna, people are very comfortable with having meetups in English. Like the tech community functions mostly in English, Mm -hmm. but in Granada, it wasn't that way at all. In Granada, it was very like Spanish focused. And so I created an, an, like an English meetup that was like web developers. So I could get like spread, like throw the biggest net. But, but how come did you, did you organize events before that? Like what? No, I hadn't. That was it. Like it was just, I fell into kind of organizing Vienna JS for, for it was a few months, maybe it was longer than that. But how come you got attracted to organizing? Like, what? Why did you even? Well, it just it was like going to the meetup. It was oh, like, okay. It, there was no other. There was no other choice essentially at the time. <laughs> and no, that's what it was. Never mind. I fi- I remember. So <laughs> I lived in a small town outside of Granada called Guayar Sierra, and it's like in the mountains. And 
like the only other nerd that I knew there was like a medieval nerd and he would do like, he would build medieval furniture. Oh, okay. And <laughs> like, there were, there were like, there were like zero nerds to talk to about nerdy stuff. So I tried to like, um, create that scene in Granada with this like web developers meetup, which was like, it was good. Like we would have like, I don't know, like 12 people would show up sometimes the most, but it was cool. Like we would, there would be new ideas. People would be interested in things. Um, it was fun. I got to kind of get that outlet, but that was when I started going to conferences because it was like where I could go to be around nerds. And so I went to like Spanish conferences and like around Europe to different, um, Ruby and JavaScript conferences. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I just kind of fell into it and it was like, I do this now. And then when I got back to Vienna, what did I do? I like, I wasn't immediately organizing anything, but I started to, I think I went to Vienna RB a lot. I've I've had so many meetups now. I had, um, I started a UX Vienna meetup, um, which I started because I wanted to meet designers because at the time I was like, I want to work on side projects and I don't know any designers. So it was like a networking <laughs> trick to try and meet designers. What's that expression about hammer and everything being a nail? Yeah, no, it was, it was yeah, it's, it worked. Um, actually, it didn't work very well, but it was like now, now it's a like uh, a guy named Max has taken it over and he's doing a great job with it. And like, especially in the last, I think maybe half a year or something, they've really grown it. And now it's, it's, it's getting big. It's cool. Um, but I, I started a, um, a freelancers meetup. Um, I had a, a meetup called we love programming languages that still exists, but we, I don't do it anymore. Like we ran out of programming languages that I could find speakers <laughs> for. So it was like every month we would do a different programming language. And then we just got to, I'm like D um, does anyone know D and would give a talk about it or like nothing even super obscure, like, like I- Idris or <laughs> like, um, yeah, it, it just became like difficult to, I would have to spend a, a significant amount of time, like looking for speakers for any kind of language we did. We did Crystal at one point and had like remote speakers, which is great. And I should have just continued on with that format and it probably would have gone well. But um, I did a, I had a Go meetup for a while. I had a Closure meetup for a while that I then handed over to a guy named Peter here, who is like a super fantastic dude. Um, and he's still rolling with that. So you like to start things, but then you don't keep, keep with them. It's like, Oh no, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just pass them on here. But I mean, it's great. Like, it's kind of like I birth these meetups and then, uh, then I, someone else adopts them, um, that, that actually will, will do well with them. Um, yeah. And, and so right now, like my focus is on the Vienna RB, which is easy. Cause there's actually co-organizers, the Elixir Vienna, which I haven't done one since maybe even September or October of last year, but, I, I made a, a a promise to myself that I would I would start that up again, I think even to other people as well at Yuruko. Um and then the freelancers meetup, which is kind of like the freelancers meetup is funny. It's more like a, a therapy session for me. I just am kind of like this is where I'm at and freelancing. These are the problems that I'm having. Like mm-hmm. what do you think? And then we kind of talk about that and other people tell their stories and things. It's like a, it's really like a freelancer support group for the most part, but it's we have like a Slack chat. There's pretty much only like three of us that are chatting the whole time, and um, but the, that's another thing that I need to start spending more time on. No, but that support group idea, I guess, actually uh, sounds very good because um, sometimes you need to talk to people who experience the same sort of things you do 
because you you can talk about the stuff we're dealing with with people who are not familiar with it. Yeah. And then I'm um, speaking both of code and like remote working and uh, like freelancing and taxes and all of that stuff that we have to deal with and um, like regularly employed people don't, I guess. Yeah, you're you're running a business. It's like. And it's one of those things too that it's it's there's a lot of beginners that come in that they're like I still have a job and I'm curious about this freelancing thing, and it's like it's good to be able to say hey so I came into this and I was like I'm really bad at having bosses so I wanted to become a freelancer so I'd be my own boss but I mean the reality of the situation is no you have like maybe five bosses yeah. depending on how many projects you have so it's it's there's a lot of these there's a lot of amazing things about it and a lot of like misconce- misconceptions that people have about what what it might be like and it's like you need to know like you have to do marketing you have to do sales you have to do like bookkeeping you have to also do your coding you like have to position yourself as something like like how do you how do you choose your rate does your rate change all of these things like um how do you negotiate like there's so many which books should i read so it's it's really it's people that have been like doing it for a long time. And the people that have been doing it for a long time are in very different situations. Also, there's people that are very successful at doing the certain thing that they're doing. And there's other people that are like, um, still constantly make mistakes like me. Yeah. And if you don't talk to people, you don't know you're constantly making mistakes yeah. and you don't know how to set your rate. Um, which is what we discussed with you in the previous episode is like, if you don't talk with us, you'd have no idea what the what the market rate is, especially if you're working remotely because you're not working for local companies. I mean, it's probably different in Vienna, but here like the the differences are huge between remote rates and local rates. Yeah. Or if you decide on a rate, this is the other thing. Like if you decide on a rate, you can change it. Like you're not like always going to be paid that and then you can give yourself a raise every whatever. Like it's it's really like, no, you can experiment with different rates. Like if you have like six projects, maybe your rate's too low. Maybe you can try and adjust it. You'll have less projects, but you'll be getting more money. There's just like all of this stuff. Like if you're positioning too, like if you're like, I do this, um, you can change that. You don't have to be uh, like a Rails rescue developer anymore. You can decide you want to be a chatbot developer all of a sudden. You have to kind of like get your marketing out there and change that a bit but like you you're not stuck yeah. it's like you can experiment speaking of are you still into chatbots i i kind of kind of um not so much like i'm kind of out of the scene i guess like i haven't been like i've been more somehow i end up getting my 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 clients ended up changing from never being local clients to being only local clients oh. and for me instead of being like a certain problem solver, like solving a some kind of a problem, I became like a, a programming language developer. Like I'm a I'm a Viennese Elixir developer now. That's been my job <laughs> for the last like almost year and a half. Like I and that's how people find me, and that's that's what I've been doing. And it's and I'm always I'm like I'm like no, I build chatbots to like for marketing, like for advertising agencies to give them a a like a more personalized. Um, marketing campaign and like no one gives a shit yeah and but the people are like oh uh, like the, i googled elixir vienna and i found you and it's 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 um yeah it's it's funny yeah i think chatbots had like a huge spike in interest like maybe a year ago something like that yeah but then it really just fell mostly silent but this is but the deal is that this is when 
some of the more conservative companies start to get interested in it. Like I've been getting more queries about chatbots in the past like few months than I had when it was at its peak like a year and a half a year ago. Like when when Vienna was like bot hub, like chatbot hub, <laughs> it was it wasn't easy for me to find chatbot work, but now like I just am randomly people are trying to get a hold of me because they're like chatbot developer. And like on LinkedIn I can see like all of a sudden like a hundred people have been trying to um connect with me that are like chatbot developer or chatbot company or something somewhere like it's just this is the this is it's like with the blockchain stuff too it's like there was the the hype the hype was like pushing until the like the um the bear market yeah and and probably what we'll start seeing soon is like more conservative sorts of companies start hiring kind of blockchain related things so it's like maybe in six months will be the perfect time to start being a, a blockchain related developer where now might be the perfect time to be a chatbot developer. It's still like the companies that hire you feel like it's new and yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. There was a, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you obviously are familiar with, with um, crypto and all that. And there was, um, I guess Lavinia was um, more represented in this than it should be given its size, but we had like a lot of ICOs, um, a lot of them successful and um, not much is happening for the past six months or something like that. Uh, there are a lot of projects and there's a lot of failed projects in, in this area here, um, which means you have a couple of people um, now retiring in, in like on some island somewhere <laughs> and you have some people like severely indebted. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's people people with programming language kind of like feel like their identity is, is part of this, like the programming language or the community they're part of. And, um, I feel, so for me, like, I kind of feel that way with Ruby. Like if someone was like, Ruby sucks, I'd be like, Hey, that's what, that hurts. Like, why are you saying that? But like, I've, I've written a bit of go and with go, I, I feel zero emotional attachment to it. I feel if some, like, it's just, it's just a tool that I like to use when, when it's necessary. It's also the design of the language. Maybe, right? maybe it go is. is very like, um, efficiently designed. It's very, um, it's designed to do one thing and do it well. While Ruby is designed to, you know, that old saying to make you happy. Yeah. And, um, maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but that like with these blockchain projects, it's this, it's it's very similar. Like this, like if you go to Reddit on anything and anyone says anything bad about anything, like the whole community freaks out. And it's yeah, it's it's really, really strange. And I mean it's I think a lot of it has to do with it's a lot of the people involved have just it's it feels like there's unlimited possibilities. Like I could get rich accidentally, mm. sort of thing. Like um but yeah, it's it's hard to maneuver that that space with like what is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what's real and what's a scam? Yeah, yeah. Except for Tron, that's obviously. A scam, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's something else I I wanted to talk to you about related to organizing is um, you also do a lot of public speaking, as you mentioned, you were in Asia a lot lately, um, but what. What got you into that? Was it just like by um, sort of when you were organizing and you ran out of speakers and you were presenting yourself? Or is it like, did you always want to be a public speaker? I, I can't remember a, a, a moment 
where where something happened. But I remember thinking, I have this like vague memory of me thinking, huh, it would be really cool to be able to go to all these places that I've never been before and and have this like a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point I decided, okay, the route to do that, like I kind of, I plan, I don't plan things out very much like this, but I, I, I did some sort of planning where I was like, I'm going to give a lot of talks at meetups. And then I will train myself how to be like, give talks at conferences from these talks that I give at meetups. And then I will start to try to talk at conferences and then whatever from there, who knows? And, and I did that and it, and it worked. And I, um, I, I had to be pretty like with the first conferences, it was really just like finding conferences that were not very well marketed and like ask them if they need speakers and paying my own way for all the things. And like, it just like, yeah, it went from there. It was like, wow, I, I like this. Like I have a, I think I have a very, um, I have, I have a certain way of giving talks where it's just, um, it just kind of happens. There's the <laughs> stuff just comes out in my mouth and like some people really like that. It turns out. And, um, I'm sure a lot of people really don't like it. <laughs> um, but it was like, there was a, there was a moment where, um, I was like, okay, so the, the biggest fear that, that I would have from speaking at, at, a thing would be that people think that I'm stupid. So it's this whole, like, I'm sure most developers, like we're smart people. We, we think we're smart. We don't want people to see like, yeah, the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. So there was, there was one point where I was like, I, I, I'm going to turn that off. Like, I'm just going to not give a fuck what these people think. I'm going to go up on stage or go up in front of the group, whatever. And some, like, I'm just going to not, I'm not going to think of people naked, but I'm going to like forcefully not give a fuck what these people think. And somehow that switch just like it worked. It wasn't like, it's, it's not also like to the extent of like, and I don't care if they enjoy the talk either. It was, but, but it's like enough of a, like when I get there or when I'm almost ready to get there, like I, I just can not care. And that, that's how it works for me. That's like the only, the way that I can get by giving these talks. And do you, do you have any tips on how to get to that stage mentally? <laughs> I, like I, I really just literally one day was like, I'm going to, to feel this way. <laughs> and um, I gave that tip to someone else recently. I can't remember who it was, but um. I wonder if it. I wonder if it worked. Oh, I do remember. I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna have to ask her. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 it. It's just like really, and it's it's not that bad. I mean, I've been giving talks recently about how proof of work works, and using like Ruby as an example, like building a miner, like a crypto miner in Ruby, really quickly, and just like, hey, and a lot of this stuff I feel incredibly stupid with. It's not really my my safety zone of things that I talk about where I'm like, I know about this thing. Yeah, the one I watched recently is, um, I think you gave it in Indonesia. It's like how you learn and you gave an example oh, on... Um, I didn't I didn't share that one because I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm embarrassed about that one. Why? That was, a, that was a situation. So I felt... So what that talk was going to be was me building a programming language like in the talk. It was going to be like a markup. But no one knows that. No, no one knows what it's supposed to be besides you. So, so that was that was going to be the talk, and then I got there, and then I found out it was a closing keynote, and I was like, "There's no way I'm going to give a talk about how to build a programming language with uh, as as the closing keynote for a conference." So it was like, "What else do I what I, do I know about?" And I had been learning 
Indonesian for the conference. And I was like, huh, there are some interesting techniques I can use. But like, there's, I think there's only one talk that I would share with people that I've given. So it's, it's, it's like, uh, which, which is available, which is, uh, it's, I, I like that talk, but the other one's really like, especially that one. Yeah. No, I'm very, I'm very insecure after conferences. And, and which one is that, that you, that you there's, like? there's one called this bot will pump you up. And it said RubyConf India, I don't know, like 2017 or 2016. I can't remember. Um, but I, I, I had a good time with that talk. Like I felt like it was a good, like the narrative worked and the, the like audience participation worked and kind of the, the tech stuff was, was interesting. And like, I, like, I felt good when I, like, I felt prepared and like happy and like, I was in a good space when I gave it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, but that was like, that was my talk. I feel like that was the, the last talk, the, the pretty much the only talk besides some talks I've given at meetups that I was like, this is worthy of like a conference talk. Oh, but I, I um, like this one um, because of, cool. of that's the... Cool, that's awesome to hear. Um, because of the the actual content, right? Um, how how you learn, and I, I find it like very, very interesting. I was just talking to someone at at Yuruko about how I really liked your talk at, at Ruby C, the, the fire... The, the <laughs> I always want to call them flame graphs. Fire graphs. Fire graphs. <laughs> Um, yeah, but like the, the running back and forth that no one, no one stole oh. from you on the, <laughs> so, so that was fun. Um, maybe, maybe for, for the listeners, um, Miha gave a talk at Ruby C was that 2016? Oh, I don't know. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was 2016 and it was in the weirdest venue. Um, it was like, it was at a hotel that was very, very, very long. Well, no, very wide. Wasn't deep. Yeah. Is wide and not, and, and, and not deep. So it was shallow and wide. So there were like three screens, but like each section. So each, like, what did it go back? What do you think? Like 30 seats or something like that? Yeah. And then it was like, like maybe like a hundred or 200 seats, 150 seats wide. Um, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like there were just groups that couldn't see you that you'd have to like walk the whole length to get to see the whole group back and forth. And so Miha at some point was like, um, sorry, Miha, um, he at some point he was like, I'm, I'm going to do a thing where I, when I come on stage, I'm going to run from one side to the other and say, hey, everybody, like maybe you wanted them to raise their hands or something. You're kind of doing like a, like a wave or something. Yeah. We, we did the Mexican wave. Yeah. And, and like, but it was pretty close to the beginning of the day or, or when you, when you said it and then you were like. Oh shit! Like yeah, I actually said it when we saw the venue the day before the, the yeah. conference. We we just went there. Like I think it was you and Ben Lovell and maybe Bojidar, and and I was like, oh, this is the only thing that you can do in this room is a Mexican wave. Yeah. And, and like, and, and each of us was like, hmm, that's a good <laughs> idea. And you were like, you can't steal that from me. And um, and none of us, no one stole it from you. And you got to do it, and it was wonderful. And like, your talk was great. I learned Thank like you. I'd never seen, I'd never seen them before. Like the presentation, I think that you like, you seemed to be like down on your talk too. Like you thought it was going to be shitty, but it was like I was into it. Like maybe you didn't feel that way, but like it was, it was a great. Like I really, really like that talk. I I always feel shitty the first five minutes or so, uh -huh. and to to add to that adrenaline, uh, running up and down did not help. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, but um, but I don't know. Like I I I that's that's a great. It was a great talk. I really liked it. Thanks. Thanks.
um, the way I normally end this uh, podcast is um, to have the guest list like three books or articles or videos or um, like whatever um, that made a lasting, well, that, that have the lasting impression or, or new or that change your life somehow or like cool. uh, basically three recommendations that you would give to someone. Hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, I'd like, yeah, so, so as far as, as far as books go, um, it, it can be anything like three recommendations. It can be like articles okay. or, or videos or movies or like whatever. So I'm going to go with kind of like three, three parts of my, my life, I guess. Okay. Um, and one part is, is freelancing and there's a really, really, there's actually, um, two really good books. But this one is one, so whenever I, f not whenever, but most of the time if I'm flying somewhere, I, I have this moment where like, I don't know if I'm just at peace and finally I can think, but it's always these, there's always these kind of like, like emphasis points in my life where I'm, where I'm flying and I decide that I'm going to change something huge. Like whether it's what my business is going to become or like how I'm going to be as a father or, or so, like something changes when i fly I, like maybe I, i don't know what it is just coach is really uncomfortable i have no idea but like <laughs> i had at one point i was reading a book called book yourself solid there's these these freelancing books have like the other one is called get clients now they have really like kind of harsh names but they're really good and um and this book it's it's this book's more about like kind of like finding out who you are and And, and finding out kind of the people that you like to spend your time with first. It's like, so different books can like different ideas of kind of how you frame your business come from different points of view. And some of them are like, what are you really good at? So if you're really good at this, you should start doing this as your business. But this book is mostly like, who have you worked with before and felt really good around and they made you feel good and you brought the most that you could. And like, you just, you enjoyed being around each other. You both had a good experience, like pick your target audience first. And then from there, like kind of build what your business is around them. Mm -hmm. And like, it's helped me like help businesses that I've worked for before. And it just like that reading that book, like I decided to completely change my business just on a plane once I was like, Ooh, but it, um, it's, it's really, really good. Um, and it's, it's, it's touchy feely. It's more touchy feely than some other like freelancing books, but like the, the get clients now is also great for like kind of getting a, a specific plan and then sticking to it like over a month and then changing it after a month goes by. It's really like, I have this, this thing where like, I don't want to have to think ever. So it's, I like to prepare a lot and, um, then, not allow myself to like not have to have those because I procrastinate a lot. So the less I have to think, the less likely I am to procrastinate and get clients now is great for like getting yourself out of that mode, but mm -hmm. book yourself solid. is fantastic. Um, uh, the second book, I mean, I guess the third, so I'm, I'm going to have four that like, get yourself, get, get clients <laughs> now is my one and a half. Okay. Um, so as far as cookbooks go, it'll be like a honorable mansion. Yeah, there we go. Um, There's a book called uh, "Cooking by Hand" is a by Paul Bertoli. Maybe it is his name. Is a great cookbook about just it's it's kind of the the science of cooking mixed with great recipes. So it's if you're making polenta, for example, and you want to know um, should I boil it or should I start with cold water? He kind of goes into like um, 
just kind of the science of what brings out the sweetness and those kinds of things in different, like common, mm -hmm. uh, more Italian style recipes. And it's more of like a book that you read to, to read and not just for the recipes. You learn a lot from it. And, um, he talks about just like making tomato sauce, but throwing the, the actual, um, tomato vines, maybe some of them in to give you that kind of, that smell that the flavor of the smell of tomatoes actually, instead of just being, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's great. Like he loves food. Interesting. He had like a, he created, um, when his son was born, he also started a, um, balsamic vinegar that will age with his son. So it's kind of like his son's balsamic vinegar that wow. when he's like through different stages of his life will be. So it's like, it's like very close to food and very like, it's, it's, it's a great book. Um, and then, um, as far as programming books go, metaprogramming Ruby, I've talked about it before. Like again, Paolo's a wonderful dude. Um, and the book is, is great. Like it's, I went into it thinking that it would be like, I get to learn Ruby magic through this and how to like do all of the, the, the DSLs. But it was more just like, this is how Ruby works. Like this is the, how dispatch works and how things look up the call stack. Um, this is what objects and classes and like everything actually are kind of more under the covers and mixing that in with like also metaprogramming and learning how to do um, all of the with great power, great responsibility sort of things. And, um, and it's done also with like a dialogue that it's, it's uh, kind of a, a, a senior developer and like maybe like uh, his apprentice working mm -hmm. together and like the, the apprentice is asking the questions and the, the master is like answering them. But like, and some people really, I really liked it. Other people like Paolo says that lots of people were like, nah, I don't like this so much, but um, it's great. Um, and there's, is there a second one? He's, he's writing a new book too, which is probably also going to be great. But, but those are my books like book yourself solid um, cooking by hand and, and this uh, metaprogramming in Ruby. Well, uh, thanks for your recommendations and for being a guest. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been it's been great. I want to do I want to do more podcasting. I was thinking of doing my own podcast, um, a chatbot podcast, actually, <laughs> at one time. Yeah, maybe maybe your your co-host can be a chatbot. That's that's a good have a Alexa or something awful. Also, yeah, <laughs> no, but but thank you th really. Thanks a lot and. Um, I, I hope I get to see you again soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely need to come to Vienna soon. Anyway, uh, thanks again. Bye. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Aaron. As you know, Parallel Passion is a new podcast. Sharing with your friends and followings helps us a lot. Just send out a tweet or post a link to your Facebook. You want your friends to enjoy a good podcast, right? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, I'd love to see a new review there. We have a couple, but there's never too many. But if you use a different app, you should rate, favorite, like, or whatever your podcast app of choice supports. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting it via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. Or open the show notes in your podcast app and follow the Patreon link there. Every dollar counts. Thank you. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at parpasspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes in your podcast app and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 13. Thank you and have a passionate day.